Are you ready? Hey, everybody. Hey, folks. Hello, everybody. People in the back. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Without further ado. Without further ado. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to get started. We should get started. We're yeah. Rolling. I'm rolling. We're, we're, we're going to get started. Welcome to the Inner Loop Radio. I'm Rachel Kuntz. And I'm Courtney Sexton. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and check out our website at theinnerlooplit.org. For any new listeners out there here on The Inner Loop Radio, we delve into all things creative writing, whether that be inspiration or craft, publishing or editing, how to make a living, or just how we all sit down each day in front of an empty page. We invite friends and local writers onto the show to talk about their writing journey, what inspires them, or to delve deeper into craft. And on today's show, we want to talk about self-promotion. Most writers view self-promotion as a somewhat shameful but necessary evil, uh, but times they are a-changing. In a digital age, is your writerly persona indistinguishable from your online persona? Court? Well, first of all, like... I think that historically, writers are happy to (laughs) self-promote. They just did it in different ways. Um, Such as? Such as, I mean, like, I don't know, you would think of, I'm thinking of like all the ex, I keep, I've been in like this like Fitzgerald frame of mind today, which like, that's fucked up for all kinds of reasons, but whatever. Um, Like, they definitely promoted themselves through like contentious conversations and like being like in the social spotlight and like I feel like uh controversy sells right so like writers would find ways to position themselves in the center of big conversations because that's what we do anyway Mm -hmm. um but it's just now you know it's there are different mechanisms and platforms to do that well, it certainly looks different than the times of Fitzgerald um, yeah. with yeah. social media and online branding. So let's talk about what is a brand for a writer? Because I, uh, as I moved in from sort of writing my book to thinking about selling my book, uh, you know, I read different books on strategies for doing so. And the first advice is find your brand, find, uh, you, you know, who you are, what makes you unique in the greater literary scope. Um, and, you know, find a niche and push it. And I remember when you were beginning that (laughs) (laughs) your social media handle changed. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. (laughs) My Instagram. Yes. Uh, Well, that is true. And then I was also trying to narrow down, you know, what, what it is that I cared about and what I, what I was saying in my, in my work. But that's kind of a process that you go through in all kinds of things that you do as a writer, such as applying for grants, um, you know, applying for residencies, you have to articulate your mission as an artist. Um, and so I feel like so many, in so many different ways, I've been pressured to kind of nail down what it is 
my writing is trying to do and what it is I care about, but I care about so many different things. So I feel really torn about this subject. Like, why do I have to choose one, you know, passion subject? I'm a writer. I care about all All of the subjects. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. And like, I feel like, you know, in this, we run the risk of kind of pigeonholing ourselves into, you know, slots that we miss out on opportunities because of that. Like, it's like, I am predominantly a nonfiction writer, but like I write all kinds of different nonfiction. And when I'm trying to sell one thing to, uh, you know, an essay to a literary mag, it's very different for me, like trying to submit a poem to, I don't know, a, a spoken word event or something like that. And it's like, you're you're never like one genre enough for <laughs> like everyone. <laughs> right? Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Um, I you know, but I think there are other ways that that writers can self promote besides building a brand. I mean, you know, yeah. one thing that writers can do is is support other writers and kind of create a community of writers that then. Um, we'll all support each other and even do collaborations. And Courtney and I obviously see a lot of that um, working with Banner Loop. Yeah, absolutely. And And I've seen writers really like utilize that and say, hey, like I want to go on a book tour and I know all of these writers from, you know, my different different avenues and then you can connect with them and invite them to read with you to build the audience for each location that you're going to, et cetera. Yeah, and I think there is a real genuine um, desire among writers to help each other out as much as it, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, it's competitive, competitive. Mm -hmm. but, you know, I don't think I have ever once reached out to someone and have had them be like, no, I don't want to help you. No, I don't want to help you. <laughs> yeah. No, you're, this is garbage. You know, even if it was garbage, they'd be like, why don't you try harder? <laughs> um, so yeah, I think there's lots of opportunities out there. Well, Courtney and I are hardly experts on self-promotion. Uh, so why don't we get more on this from a writer who has more than 300 Instagram followers, such as me. Uh, coming up, we hear from our July Authors Corner Spotlight, Dominic McDonald. Stay tuned. Gather. Gather. Um, you can gather in. Gather around, gather around for the second half. And we're going to get started. We're going to get started. We'll get started. We're officially getting started. Not teasing you this time. Welcome back to the Interloop Radio. We've been discussing self-promotion, and now we'd like to welcome Dominic Nerd McDonald, author of I'd Rather Be Called a Nerd, a memoir and poems from day eight and our July Author's Corner Spotlight. Welcome, Dominic. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Courtney. How are you today? So Doing good. Great. Happy so to have happy you. you join us. <laughs> yes, I'm happy to be here. So I'm sure you were eavesdropping on our conversation earlier about building a brand and Dominic, your brand is very clear, so clear that the brand is in the name. You call yourself nerd. Uh, Your call sign is nerd the poet. Your company's called nerd the poet. 
it's even more prominent than your first name when I look you up. So tell us how you landed on this branding and what steps you took to build it up. So what I took was the kind of neighborhood um, cultural aesthetic of using a nickname, right? And typically Mm -hmm. a nickname is like something that is a unsavory feature about you, right? So if you're like tall, they call you slim. You know, if you're big, they call you big, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, like throughout my whole life, I was just always called a nerd, you know. Uh, Not like I was trying to, but that's that's just what happened. So, um, so you were yeah. those mighty pants in the crew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I was like, I was a know-it-all, you yeah. know, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was because I was like the subtle, like passive know-it-all. It's like, well, actually, um, <laughs> you know, and it'd be like, shut up, go somewhere over there. <laughs> um, so yeah, when, um, I was thinking of like a name to, to call myself uh nerd just fit and you know it was it had its phases so first i was like i'm going to call it like lowercase you know just to be different and then i was going to make it an acronym and then it just it just became nerd as is you know so mm-hmm. there, there was a lot of evolution with that mm-hmm. and so how does how did it you sort of migrate from a nickname to your entire brand like you must have connected with that nickname on a deeper level, right? Yeah, I, I think that it was the transformation of people um, seeing something different than what they thought from hearing it, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was kind of like contradictory. Like, you don't act like a nerd at all. Like, right. you're nerdy, <laughs> but, you know, a, a nerd wouldn't be someone brave enough to you know, speak and do spoken word and, um, you, you know, be this outgoing and social and, and things like that. So I, I think that was kind of like me putting the action behind it. Um, the personality behind it was what made it stick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of that, I feel like I saw somewhere in my research that you called yourself shy. Now, how can that possibly be the case? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm what's what they call uh, an ambivert. Uh, uh-huh. Okay, this yeah, is a new so, term for me. <laughs> so it's it's like you know you have some extroversion to you, but you have a social battery, so it runs out, and then you just go and hide somewhere, and that's like that. That's like I'm shy when I don't have a social battery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can. Yeah, yeah, I can totally relate to that. Is yeah. that a writerly thing? Or are we all just ambivalent? I mean, I think it is a writerly thing, which is why I asked because you know a lot of writers uh, hate self promotion because they are shy, so mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to to toe that line. Dominic, let's talk about your social media. You're active on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and you have a really strong following. I noticed, um, and this might be the elder millennial in me talking, but how do you have the energy? <laughs> You know, you it's something that you it's like a chore, you know what I'm saying? And as as we're adults now, like we're just solid adults, like we have to do we have to do <laughs> our chores for ourselves, right? Yeah. And sometimes those come with doing things that are building our brand if we have one. You mm-hmm. know, so 
That means posting regularly. That means engaging with uh, followership, putting stuff on stories, maybe reaching out to different brands that you support and asking if there could be any, you know, collaborations or special events that you can go to. And um, yeah, if, I mean, if this is something that you want to take seriously, it's like you have to kind of do like the little grunt work. And sometimes it is exhausting. And I'm just like, uh, what am I going to do this? So, you know, luckily, I don't really have responsibilities as far as like a significant other or children. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not too much <laughs> that I have to fight through. Do you find um, that it's distracting for you at all? This is something I struggle with where like, I feel like I'm not investing the time and energy into actually doing the things that I'm talking about doing. Um, Mm -hmm. And that becomes frustrating is how do you strike a balance with that? Or do you encounter that at all? So I will say scheduling is important Mm -hmm. and not everything has to be done in real time. So for instance, you can spend, you know, a day or two making content and then put it out like, over time or like after you leave an event or at the end of the day, you know, I I think what's important is like people actually seeing activity happening Mm -hmm. and having the understanding that if they come to your social media, they're going to get something new and Mm -hmm. some type of update. Hmm. Yeah, that's really great advice. So I'm hearing that you have to post regularly. (laughs) You have to uh, find collaborations with brands that are similar to yours, or in our case, writers who are similar. Um, Is there any other advice that you have for sort of building a following? Like, I kind of feel like, you know, I could post all day, every day, but I still only have 300 followers. So how do I, (laughs) how do I build up from there? Do you have any advice about that? Yeah, sometimes you have to ask, you know. (laughs) (laughs) He rolls his eyes. (laughs) And it's so it's so interesting because uh, I I noticed like a lot of later uh, millennials will kind of be like, I don't really do social media or I don't do it that much, you know. But it's still like a, a footprint. It's still a following. So even if they haven't posted anything in like the last two months or whatever. I'll still see if we can exchange Instagram and so on and so forth. And then they have it so convenient now. Like there's like these little tap cards and you could just tap the card on the phone and it'll bring up all of their social media profiles and everything. No, you're blowing my mind right now. <laughs> I've never heard of this. Yeah. It's like tap to pay, tap to collaborate. Also, you're so work? sweet, Dominic. I love that you're like, I throw you elder millennials a bone and I will follow you even if you aren't giving me any content. <laughs> Very nice. Um, but talking about self-promotion, you're not just active on social media. You also kind of seem to be everywhere all at once. Maybe it's just this month, or maybe this is all the time you tell me, but you seem to be hosting open mics and fundraisers. Uh, you recently won the Day 8 DC Poet Project. You're featured with the with the Inner Loop Authors Corner. So how are you making these connections and collaborations and fostering these kind of relationships in the poetry scene? Mm. You know, I realize it's like seeds are finally starting to sprout, right? Mm-hmm. So everything I've heard that's this before, please yeah. continue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, things that are um, happening just by you know me putting myself out there, uh, being consistent, 
being um, visible and showing progression, I'm now getting interest from people who, you know, either want to update or they just want to know a little bit more information. I think there is an allure in someone who calls himself nerd to poet. I don't like it's 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 one of those things where I guess I was just lucky. Uh, but people are just like, yeah, what is what is this nerd person about? Like, I don't you know, I, I need to find out more more information. Um, and, and yeah, I like to call myself like an artist in, in residence. So uh, I moved here from Los Angeles uh, four years ago in uh, 2019, right before the pandemic. Yeah. And, um, time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you, you know, I, I was kind of a part of the reopening for a lot of things. I started my first open mic, like when uh, establishments were at 50%. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said, well, let me add value to uh, your your restaurant because we have to social distance but people are going to need some type of form of entertainment, you know, because they can't really dance with each other or, or, yeah. or chat with each other, but they can watch something mm. that is some type of live entertainment. So uh, we did that in summer of 2021. Mm-hmm. And since then I've been having consistent shows for the past two years. That's awesome. Wow. But like that takes a lot to keep it going. And I mean, something, a lot of the things you've mentioned here, like, um, call to mind for me this this phrase that Rachel and I use like to use a lot as literary citizen right and you you are a a very active literary citizen in your community and I think that in itself is a huge um, brand asset right like Mm -hmm. you know you can't just sit behind the screen all the time you have to put yourself out there and show people what that brand is and what you stand for right Um, yeah Super impressive. So speaking of the day eight uh, DC poet project that led to your latest poetry collection, uh, the featured book for Authors Corner program called I'd Rather Be Called a Nerd. Uh, can you talk about the evolution of that project, how it came about? So this book was originally supposed to be called The N-Word, and it was a juxtaposition of being um, called a nerd and called the other N-Word. Mm-hmm. Right. And how that has caused a duality for me growing up because, you know, how I represent and identify myself as a Black American male, I more so am expected to look or I I, I more so am expected to come off as one than the other, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And in some cases, there's more recognition from being one than the other. So Mm -hmm. it's it's really kind of sitting in that the middle ground Mm -hmm. and how that has affected me and how that has affected my view of society, like being in it and how it it looks at at me. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear a little something from the book. Yeah, for sure. Okay, sure. I got a few pieces I'm going to do for y'all today. Okay. So this first one is called change. Change starts within the mind, realizing that you are a child of God and deserve far more than what you are asking for. Since money is monetary and it is only the mentality that creates wealth, how can I really help you if I'm only helping you not help yourself? Don't be the voice saying I'm hungry. Be the voice of the hungry so that the next woman or man can get some help. 
for we both know I can't give you what you really want from me, but what I can do is give you a little change. Hmm. Nice play on words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we always love the puns. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, the next one I'm going to do is called uh, Friends with Privileges. Or you know what? I'll, I'll do I, this. Is another one called "Now Loading." Nice, appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Escape is on the other side. Being in place while being in a new place while being in place is on the other side. In plain sight, but found somewhere to hide. I'm welcomed by voices other than mine, giving more choices and can be my own guide. They say books did it, but it's better this time. I'm allowed to run, jump, and fight. I'm allowed to build, drive, and kill bad guys because I'm the good guy. I've been any type of guy, actually. Whatever I feel I have to be, nothing is mapped for me. Casually, I was here after homework and after chores, and whenever I wanted after I was allowed to close the door. I stayed up late to be enemies and scores. My brain felt ways like being on roller coaster rides and play fights or arguments or being chased. It's a state of feeling that I've never been able to replace, a state of feeling by simply staying in place. It's an escape that they keep trying to recreate. Mm-hmm. I love the way you built the tension in that one. Yeah, and it's so rhythmic. I mean, even like, I feel like I'm not looking at it in front of me on the page, but I feel like that rhythm translate would translate to the page like very well. Thank you, thank you. Okay, uh, this one is friendly with privileges. I want friends with privileges, like the benefit of the doubt, benefactors with formulas to increase Benjamins, the kids with both parents, even if they divorce had four parents, supportive steps and two story houses, family rooms with expensive couches, dusted and vacuumed by maids and pictures from holidays with them all wearing similar outfits, pool room overlooking the jacuzzi and did that pool have a fountain? Vacation home on the beach, vacation cabin in the mountains, vacation yacht on the sea, a vacation every season. So they throw parties at their parents' house every time that they leave it. Who grew up wanting the best, doing the best, and having the best. The ones you studied with because you knew they would pass the test. Friends who stay in five-star hotels, eat at five-star restaurants after checking five-star reviews on Yelp. Don't even check the check when it comes. This slaps down a platinum rewards credit card because it practically pays for itself. When you ask, hey, I'm moving and I'm in need of some help, they call in the help. And when it's your birthday, they bring more than themselves. Show up on time because they factor in travel time and parking. (laughs) Make sure you get home safe and invite you out to do things like a marathon race. Even though I won't be doing any of that, I'll gladly cheer you on. Or friends who go on hikes. Or friends who like to ride bikes. I wish I could say this more polite, but I want friends who were recipients of the American dream. <laughs> Why do we attach a color to opportunities we all should receive? Those who look like me rarely get what they want and barely take care of their needs. I just want to know how it feels to be of the franchise population. Let me find some comrades and confidants who sip Don Perignon and talk of trust and bonds and don't worry about systematic poverty, institutionalized racism, low-income prejudice, mass incarceration, underserved education access, police harassment, corporate microaggression, racial profiling, parole limitations, political misrepresentation, 
and cultural appropriation. Show me how this nation is great by anyone being able to be great in this nation. Well, I'm certainly not one of those people who shows up on time. <laughs> <laughs> I know, do you notice? That's where Rachel and I both laugh. <laughs> um, no, but I, I love how you bring this like fun, comedic voice to such a serious subject. Like, yeah, you can kind of laugh and think deeply at the same time. Well, and that's how I feel like the best writing works, right? Like you, it's approachable, right? People come in. And they want to hear you. And then, like, they're confronted with the things they need to hear. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Um, it's like there was a there was a quote uh, that's in uh, Russell Simmons' book. And he's a student of Deepak Chopra. Mm -hmm. um, and it says, if you want to feed a squirrel and you have the food in your hand and you chase the squirrel, the squirrel's going to run away from the food. But if you sit still with the food in your hand, eventually the squirrel is going to come and receive mm -hmm. it. And I think that's how I like to present my poetry in the sense that you had um, just expressed. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Dominic, and uh, chatting with us about your awesome branding strategy. I appreciate it. You can find out more about Dominic, read more interviews and articles, and buy his book, I'd Rather Be Called a Nerd, from Day 8 Press on our website, theinnerlooplit.org slash Authors Corner. You can also catch him at our upcoming Authors Corner panel on balancing a thriving writing career with a busy life at East City Bookshop, Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. Dominic, will you stick around for a little game? Yeah, sure. I'm game. Game for a game. Game for a game. Up next, we're going to find out what kind of an animal a nerd would be. Mm, stay tuned. Welcome back to the Interloop Radio. We turn now to some branding exercises. That's right. These are real exercises that major companies use to narrow in on their brand. Okay. And now I want each of us to think about our book or book idea and our writerly persona as a whole as our brand. You can do it, Courtney. I see oh. you shaking your head. You can do this. <laughs> Uh, Dominic has already perfected this, but uh, just to nail down on it a little bit more, uh, each of us will answer these questions about our brand. So maybe a little thinking on your feet. Let's imagine your brand is a person at a party. How do they act? So I've thought about this a lot. I think that my brand would be that super quiet person who also just hangs around they're like there in your face all the time but they never say anything <laughs> and you're like uh do you like want to hang out or <laughs> okay i don't know if we're supposed to be talking about what we actually do or what we like no no what your brand would do 
your book about dogs and hearts, Courtney. How would it act? Man, I can't separate the two because I'm just like, okay, when I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> like I'm like, all right, this is cool. I'm gonna go now. I feel like that's a good metaphor for the heart heart thing. When yeah. I'm done, I'm done. I'm leaving. <laughs> this was fun. Gotta go. See you next time. Dominic. Uh, I think my brand would be the person that's like not associated with the party, but super helpful. You know, oh. like serving punch out the punch bowl you know passing out sandwiches and plates you know it's just like oh wow you didn't have to do that like oh, you know, but i'm here so but i was here anyway you know that feels that feels right to me that, that feels does. right to me. i like that <laughs> all right if your brand were an animal what animal would it be this one's too easy for you court i don't know there's like many but like i'm gonna go with coyote Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A wild, a wildness to that dog theme. They're a little wild, but they're super adoptable is the thing. And like, they've like infiltrated every part of uh, the country. Like there's a- That's true. You don't think about coyotes that often, but they are kind of everywhere. We have coyotes Mm. in DC. There are are urban coyotes everywhere and they're super cool. They're really funny, actually. They'll like, people- (laughs) Sorry, this is a tangent. But people (laughs) will, you know, if you encounter them- they'll tend to follow you because they kind of are curious. Like, it's not that they're trying to like chase you or eat you. They're like, where are you doing? Where do you go? What was happening? And they'll like <laughs> kind of trail you for a little while. So I feel like that resonates. For nice. me. I like that. Dominic? I think my brand will be a fox. Yeah. The canine. Oh, yeah. It's great. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's like, there's, I, I watched, I grew up on The Simpsons. Yeah. And there's like a running joke when they always say like something was like a fox. So <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um I think that my book would be uh, a honey badger. So <laughs> honey badgers have this like unassuming name uh but they're actually really fierce and like resilient. Uh-huh. Because they have like a layer of skin over them that like when predators bite down on them, they can like turn completely around and bite the predator back. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And they're also immune to like snake venom and stuff. So they're actually really resilient and fierce. <laughs> so appropriate <laughs> too. I like it. Yeah. Um, okay, how about this one? If your book were a superhero, which one would it be? Who's the villain and what evils in the world is are they fighting? Oh my god. This is, oh my god. This is hard. I, I so I, I thought about this one. So I, yeah, okay. go for it. Yeah. So I think I think the incredible Hulk would be the the superhero. Okay. You know. I like that. I like the two uh-huh. sides, the nerdy yeah. side and the tough side. Yeah. And 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 I think like the villain is like I don't know, military government, you know. It's <laughs> Just trying to sh- just trying to quiet and shut down this monstrosity that doesn't, you know, know how to control itself. But also with the Hulk, I think the, the Hulk is the villain too. Mm-hmm. Totally. We yeah. are our own villain often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I thought I like that reflexive relationship. Yeah. And the, with the third part, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Evils in the world. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So, all right. So, the evils in the world will be like, like 
not being able to exist in your own space, right? Mm-hmm. Like that conformity. I think it would be it would, it would be fighting the evil of conformity. See that would see that's similar to what I was thinking about because I was thinking about the evils in the world that my persona would be fighting as like binary thinking, like that, like things or people are all either all bad or all good. Mm. Um, that would be the evil in the world. But I didn't nail down a superhero exactly. Maybe Captain America because I am a Marvel nerd, and he starts <laughs> out as like this uh, character who has very binary thinking, like all ga- mm. all good, all bad, like your typical ideas of good and bad. But then by the end of his character arc in the Marvel movies, he kind of realizes that it's not so black and white. There's actually all this gray area and sort of is much more like open to things being not so clear. Mm-hmm. That's my answer. Court? <laughs> I was always an X-Men fan. Hey. Um, yeah. 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 And like Wolverine seems like the obvious one. So Dominic, I'm I, you don't know me super well, but I'm like I'm I'm known as the dog girl in my di- department of <laughs> people who study primates. So I also have a nickname. <laughs> um but <laughs> but I like kind of resonate more with like Storm. Um, mm. partially because like the whole electrical thing and like harnessing lightning is really cool. Um, but one of the evils I see in the world is this like lack of connection. Um, and I think there's a way that if you can harness people's energy and understand it, you can connect better. And that's what I try mm. to do with my writing. So, mm. Yeah. Love that. That, that was kind of nerdy. <laughs> yeah, th- this is. We're like, all here on the same. <laughs> we are all here for it. <laughs> this uh, this might be one of the best uh, little games that we've ever done. I yeah. think we should do this with all our guests. Uh, <laughs> Dominic, thank you so much for playing along with us and for joining us on the show and chatting with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. That's our show. We'll be back next Monday with our Just Checking In series, where we give our writer friends a call to hear how their writing lives are going. And if you want to learn more about The Inner Loop and all of our programming, you can visit us at theinnerlooplit.org, where you can also donate to support us and local literature. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter via our brand handle, which is at The Inner Loop Lit. Today's episode was produced by me, Rachel Kuntz. Our theme music is by Andrew Logan, and our technical advisor is James Skinner. Thanks again to Dominic McDonald for joining us on the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, write us a love letter. Or better yet, leave us a review. Such as, The Interloop Radio is the Captain America of literature podcasts, championing local authors and fighting artistic obscurity. Oh, I like that. That's, that's good. And don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe. (laughs) Subscribe so you can get inspired, get focused, and get lit on the Interloop Radio. Happy writing. Right on, Litwits.